Hi, and welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. My name is Cassandra Wilder, and I'm a naturopathic doctor and a women's cyclical health expert. This podcast is a space where we demystify all of the bad hormone advice we've been given and instead get back down to the foundations. Your dream of regular, pain-free periods, balanced hormones, and vibrant energy is within reach. Join me and other incredible experts here every single Monday for conversations that are sure to be life-changing. Let's get started. Hey everybody, it has been a long time. I'm so happy to be back with all of you. Welcome back to the fresh season of the Cyclical Podcast. And I just gotta tell you, there's some amazing things coming for you this season, no matter what season of life you're in. But especially if you are thinking of getting pregnant at some point in the future, or you are currently pregnant, there's some extra cool gems in this season to support you with myself and also some really incredible guests. But get this y'all, somehow, I am almost in my third trimester already. Seems like just yesterday that I got to announce on Instagram, like surprise, I'm having a baby. (laughs) And all of you were so lovely and supportive and kind. And now I'm like, wait, wait, we're almost at the third trimester. Like, I really love being pregnant. I don't really wanna be done. (laughs) I know not everyone feels that way, but I've enjoyed the process of being pregnant. And yeah, it's really, surreal and wild to think that here at the end of October or early November, baby will make their grand entrance into the world. So by popular demand, I am starting out our fresh season just mostly with a pregnancy update, sharing with you what I'm doing, what things I'm enjoying, what things are helping me have a really smooth and lovely pregnancy, and then also sharing what's coming on this season of the podcast and what kind of goodies you can expect over the coming months. And let me just tell you, from incredible lactation consultants to a holistic OBGYN, we got some epic guests coming up. So y'all are in for such a treat. And yeah, those little clickety clacks were brought to you by Oliver the Corgi and our hardwood floors. (laughs) It is really challenging to record podcasts with him, but I love him so much. So of course, the main question that everybody asks is how are you feeling? And I feel so grateful that I can say, I honestly feel really good. My pregnancy has been really smooth and I have just loved everything about this process. I think the most noticeable symptom or or just experience I'm having is just a little more fatigue, meaning by 9 p.m. I'm like, I'm going to bed. And sometimes in the afternoon, I need to lay on the couch for 20 minutes or so before, you know, we go do our next thing. And when my partner and I go hiking, he now 10,000% leaves me in the dust. So it's been very humbling where we used to be pretty good uh, hiking companions and now he's like a mile ahead of me. And I'm like, wait. So that's been interesting. But otherwise, my hunger cues have been really good. I definitely crave lots of protein, lots of seafood, sushi, oysters, milk, dairy. I've just, yeah, been living my best foodie life over here. And it's funny, now that I'm almost to my third trimester, it's finally semi-obvious that I'm pregnant. I don't know if any of you had this experience, but I have mostly just looked really bloated for like five months. (laughs) And only now can people, I think, pretty well tell like, oh, she's not just like in a lot of pain from a really big lunch or something. Like, oh no, I think there's a baby in there. So that's exciting, you know, to graduate from looking bloated to looking pregnant. And yeah, it definitely makes me wonder how big my stomach will get, how pregnant will I end up looking? Is my third trimester just gonna like 
balloon me up and I'm suddenly gonna have this giant bomb or will I measure smaller? I have no idea. So it's really interesting to just kind of watch the process with your first baby. You just have like no idea what to expect. And Robert and I were both like six and a half pound to seven pound babies. So I would guess this baby's not going to be that much bigger, but I could be totally wrong. Like I said, the third trimester could come around. I could just balloon up and we could have a big fat, chunky, like 10 pound baby. So (laughs) you never know. Definitely the next most common question is, oh my gosh, so you're pregnant. What are you having? And we decided not to find out. We, for some reason, felt like it was more right or special for us to just wait until the birth. I have a very intuitive feeling that I know what the baby is, but then I get in my head and then I I start to think about if I'm wrong. And (laughs) so as of right now, we're really just trusting the process, but it has been fun. We talk to, you know, people out and about that are say in their 50s or 60s. And, you know, it's really sweet to talk to women that gave birth, you know, 30, 40 years ago when you couldn't find out the gender of your baby. And a lot of them just said it was a really magical experience for them. And so I think it was helpful for me to remember like, yeah, for literally thousands and thousands of years, we didn't have a way to know if we were having a boy or a girl. And I don't know, that just kind of resonated as really magical for me. I was listening to a podcast and the guest was saying in kind of a funny way, like to them, they thought, well, if we're supposed to know the gender of the baby or we were supposed to really be able to like see the baby, then we'd have windows in our stomach, but we don't. And it's kind of meant to be a time of mystery and surrender and intuition. And to me, that really resonated. So we will see once baby comes out, but I can't even imagine what that's going to feel like to pull the baby up from the birthing tub or where I'm kneeling on the floor or wherever my body decides to give birth and to be like, so what are you? You know, that's a wild experience. And in my last podcast where I announced it all, I shared that we were planning a home birth. And so that's the next big question is everyone saying, have you changed your mind? Nope, definitely haven't changed our mind. We're really, really excited actually for a home birth. And to me, this just feels right. It's where I feel the most safe and the most comfortable. I definitely feel very informed in my decision, so I understand the pros and cons of everywhere you give birth and the different kinds of care you can receive, and for me, this feels like the right decision to do it where I can control the lighting, I can control how loud it is, I can control who gets to be here with me, and so for me and my body and in my intuition, I just know that to me, um, being in another setting would not feel as safe. If you follow me on Instagram, then you know that a couple months ago, my sister gave birth to her fourth baby at home. It was very beautiful and exactly her vision. And it was fun for me now being pregnant because I just paid a little more attention to, you know, what kind of supplies did she have and what did we really need and what did she use? And it was really eye-opening for me to see that, you know, you really don't need a whole lot you know, besides like some chucks pads and a couple days worth of diapers for, you know, mom and some organic pads, like we really didn't need a whole lot to keep her comfortable through at least that first week of her postpartum window. So it's been interesting for us as we make our registry to send to our friends and family who want to gift something for me or baby or Robert or the house it's yeah interesting because the registry is like not nearly as like cutesy as maybe some people's is with all the little like toys and stuff instead it's more like practical stuff that we could use during the birth 
But don't worry, we still have all the other kind of cutesy things like little organic baby onesies and little baby blankets. And yeah, I mean, that's really about it. We don't really have like any bells and whistles because for us, we don't feel called to use them. But if you want me to post on Instagram or in an email or something, what we end up do, uh, what we end up like finalizing as our birth list and what things we actually buy and the baby items that we feel we'll actually use. Again, just keeping in mind we're pretty simplistic, so we're not buying baby bouncers and all this stuff that we personally don't feel we're going to need. That could change. Not saying that any of this is set in stone. But if you are interested to hear like a home birth plan or um, kind of, yeah, like what supplies and items for a baby we find that we literally need, then let me know and I can do a post or something. One thing we haven't fully decided on is if we want to do cloth diapers or not. And I, I guess, I don't know, let me try and give you insight into my brain as to why this is kind of a hard decision for us. So the reason a lot of people choose to do cloth diapers is because over time they are way more cost effective. So you'll save thousands of dollars over you know the two or three years your baby may wear diapers. And then also it's obviously much better for the earth. Things like diapers and sanitary products really never fully disintegrate. So that's another consideration. Um, and then also as we've been looking for diaper options that are more low tox, there's not a lot of options. So again, if that's like super woo woo out there for you, that's fine. But it's really important to us to find a really quality diaper that doesn't have a ton of chemicals in it. However, of course, with cloth diapers, they're a lot more work. You usually do need to install a little like hand sprayer on your toilet so that when you change the diaper, you spray off whatever's in the diaper into the toilet and then you throw it in the wash. Um, so there's a lot more prep. There's a lot more time involved. You know, you're going to be drying these little diapers a lot. So we have not decided if you've personally used cloth diapers, I would love your opinion. So feel free to send me a message on Instagram, but I will let y'all know what we end up deciding to do. The other thing with cloth diapers is they're a really randomly big investment initially. So when we went to a holistic baby store, you know, they were like $13 each. And then they suggested you have like 20 to 30 at least of them. So right off the bat, you know, that's going to be hundreds and hundreds of dollars. However, to be fair, when we were looking at kind of a lower tox um, diaper brand that was made with bamboo for a pack of 48 diapers, it was $18. And so you can see how that also would add up, especially where um, the woman that worked there was saying that with newborns, you could go through up to 10 diapers a day. And so, yeah, I got a little overwhelmed at the store and we didn't end up buying really anything because I was like, whoa, I got to crunch some numbers and I got to really sit with, yeah, is it going to just be easier for us to do disposable diapers? Is that the right thing or should we invest in some cloth diapers and at least give it a try. So I'll let you, I'll let y'all know what we end up doing. Honestly though, what I've been doing more than buying onesies and adorable little things like that is I've been taking a lot of time to try to understand things like breastfeeding and healing postpartum and nourishment and food in the postpartum window and understanding common things babies experience and i've really been trying to prepare myself as much as you mentally can right i understand that i don't know everything and a lot of this will be just going with the flow and working with the temperament of my baby um, but i do think it's really valuable to feel informed 
For example, when I first found out I was pregnant, I was like, oh, breastfeeding. I'm sure like it's just something innate and really instinctual and you're just gonna stick the baby on your boob and it's just gonna work out. And then in talking to a lactation counselor, for example, who will be here on the podcast soon, um, I was really just like blown away by how much I learned and about latching and just kind of the different things that can make or break breastfeeding. And so that was really interesting to me. And, you know, even talking about bottles and pumping. So if I decide to pump and then save milk, how much milk am I supposed to save? And are there different types of bottle nipples that are better to help baby continue to have a really healthy latch? Otherwise, sometimes if you go back and forth between breastfeeding and a bottle, their latch can change and breastfeeding can be more painful. And, you know, just like things you don't think about until you get pregnant. So that's been really fascinating for me and then maybe it's just because i'm kind of a nerd and i'd like to understand how everything works (laughs) i really get a lot of joy out of understanding i think as much as you can without experiencing something fully so that's been really cool and then understanding more about postpartum as well the fourth trimester as they say and starting to just really intentionally make space to understand what i'm going to need what kind of support i'm going to need has been really, really valuable for me. I also recorded an amazing podcast episode with a postpartum doula slash expert, and uh, it was so good. It gave me so much, so much uh, information and wisdom about the postpartum window and how sacred it is, but also how important rest is. And like her and I talk about, we live in a bounce back culture where culturally we're really pushed like, all right, you had a baby five days ago, like get your butt out of bed and like do some housework or like, you know, you have a friend's wedding six days postpartum, like you can do it. You should just push through and go and things that intuitively to me are like, what? Like, why would you do that? (laughs) Um, Just things that take us away from that really special window of bonding with baby, but also take us away from doing something so simple, which is to rest and replenish after a nine month journey plus a birthing process. And that's not even talking about, you know, this push like two months postpartum, you should have your quote old body back. And I don't know, just this super toxic stuff that to me is like, um, I think what really matters is that you and your baby are healthy. But yeah, y'all will love that episode, especially if you are pregnant and you're wanting to have a more lovely, nourishing postpartum window, or even if you've had kids in the past and you felt like you were pressured to get back to it and get back to work and like be some bionic super mom, which yeah, any of us can force ourselves to be, but in hindsight, maybe that didn't actually end up feeling so good or it really prolonged our bleeding or just attributed a lot to things like postpartum depression. So yes, you can see what I've been thinking about (laughs) for the last five months, which is just like trying to uncover and understand this initiation of pregnancy and birth and trying to like sift past the surface level stuff, which is like, here's all this stuff you need to buy. And here's, you know, the procedures that you should do just because they're easier. They're the better way to go. And just trying to sift through all this information and just ask why, like, why do I need all this stuff that's being marketed to me? Do I need that? No. Okay. Why is all this, uh, all these interventions pushed so heavily by some doctors and even midwives? Do I really need that? And are there true risks to these really commonplace things like epidurals and induction? What is like the real truth behind them? 
And so speaking of all of this, this is part of what this season of the podcast is all about that I'm kind of calling the quote birth series where I have chosen to bring on some amazing experts in various fields. So a lactation counselor, a postpartum doula, a holistic OBGYN, which, oh my God, I can't wait to publish that episode. And then also a radical birth keeper, that's what she calls herself, where we talk about the true pros and cons of interventions. So this is gonna be a really valuable episode if you're like me and you're just kind of that person that has to understand how things work. And you really prickle when someone's like, oh, just trust me, birth control is amazing, it'll fix your period. And you're like, okay, but like, why? Tell me how that works. What are the real risks to that? Um, same thing with like, if your doctor's like, well, you, you know, your, your baby's just measuring really big, we definitely have to do a C-section. If you're like, but why? And how do you know my baby's too big? And are we gonna talk about how ultrasounds are often incorrect? And you know what I mean? Like, if you wanna go that next layer into the rabbit hole and really ask powerful questions, and understand the ways in which you can advocate for yourself, you'll really like that episode as well. I really think that birth and pregnancy are an initiation. And like one of my guests said so well in one of her episodes, she said, this is really a time for you to learn your no and to learn how to stand up for yourself and to know what you'll accept and know what you will not. She said, this is like the time to learn that because if you don't do that now, if you just trust blindly what your doctor or midwife says because, well, they're the authority and they supposedly know more, then how is that gonna serve you into motherhood where you're gonna have to make about a million more decisions for the well-being of your child? Plus, you're gonna be parenting them and they'll be pushing your boundaries. And if you cannot find your voice and you cannot find your power during pregnancy and birth and postpartum, like the rest of your life as a parent is also going to be really hard. And uh, yeah, I really liked that perspective. Like right now is the invitation to learn to stand in our power, to be informed, have informed consent, and then use that and make really powerful decisions that are right for us, uh, not decisions that make our doctor's job easier or appease our midwife because we don't want to make them mad or just kind of appease our mother-in-law that we don't even really have a relationship with, but we don't want her to be mad at us, like stuff like that. I'm like, oh my God, please. (laughs) You deserve so much more than that. Those people's opinions really don't matter. What matters is what you know is right for you and then getting people on your team that support that vision. So if you're sitting there right now, like shaking your head, like, amen, (laughs) then you're really going to like this season of the podcast. Um, It's not all going to be about birth and pregnancy because I realize that's not a season of life that everybody is in, but it's going to be coming over the next couple months, which is super exciting. Today's episode is brought to you by Cozy Earth. If you're like me and live for a good night's sleep, these sheets will change your life. Made from super soft and sustainable viscose from bamboo fabrics, it is softer than cotton and has been on Oprah's favorites list four years in a row. I've used Cozy Earth sheets personally for almost a year and I will never go back to any other brand. Besides being the softest sheets I've ever used, they're also temperature regulating and Cozy Earth even offers a 100 night sleep test. That means you can try their sheets for 100 days and if you don't love it, send it back and get a full refund. Your bedroom should feel like a sanctuary and your sleep is sacred. And that's why I believe it's so important to create a bedroom environment that feels cozy, comfortable, and relaxing. Right now, you can take 40% off of your Cozy Earth order with code goddesspodcast. 
Just go to CozyEarth.com, find your favorite set of sheets, and use code GODDESSPODCAST to save 40%. And be sure to send me a message on Instagram and let me know if you're as obsessed as I am. But let's start to get into the second part of this podcast, which is a couple things that I did to help prep my body for pregnancy. So if you are one of the women that is listening to this and getting really excited because you know at some point here down the road you want to be a mama bear, then I think this will really serve you and help you prepare um, in a way to, to get pregnant and enjoy this initiation as well. So if you followed me for a while, you already can guess what the first thing is. (laughs) The first thing is that I was tracking my cycle so that I knew when I was actually ovulating. Now, when I first got a temp drop, that's an armband you wear on your upper arm and it tracks your temperature while you sleep. And then in the morning, you sync it to your phone. When I first started using temp drop, I was not ovulating. So full transparency. That's why this stuff matters because say I'd been trying to get pregnant then, I would have been so frustrated because I had pretty regular periods, but I was not ovulating. So getting a temp drop was really helpful for me. I have more information about that on my Instagram and also on my website, because then it allowed me to determine that I was not ovulating, and then I made some really good shifts to my lifestyle and began ovulating. So when we were starting to think about conceiving, we were looking at my data and made sure, you know, that every month I was ovulating and we started to prepare for how we were going to time intimacy. Now that was like a really quick run through of cycle tracking. So I do have a whole cycle tracking 101 that I'll link in the show notes below and it's included in period reboot. So if you're planning on joining that in the future, you will get that for free as a bonus. Um, But that will go through more so how to confirm you're ovulating, what are your thermometer options, how does it all work. So just know that if you're interested to learn more about fertility awareness, that that is a great resource to start with. But the second thing we started to do with that data about my ovulation window is we started to time intimacy. And so... For example, one really helpful tool when trying to get pregnant is to time your intimacy before you've even ovulated by a couple days so that there's already sperm inside of you that is waiting for the egg at ovulation. So without getting all like too nitty gritty into a TMI of my life, (laughs) we chose to be intimate about three days before I suspected I would ovulate due to past ovulation cycles and when I was seeing a lot of Um, fertile cervical mucus and bada bing bada boom that sure worked (laughs) because I was pregnant very quickly. I wanted to share that though because there are some people that say to just be intimate the day you ovulate but from my understanding and what I've read from um, other fertility experts it's really nice if you can have sperm already in your body before you even ovulate. Remember sperm can live up to five days in healthy cervical mucus so If historically you ovulate on day 18 and generally it's right on around there, you know, starting on like day 15, you could be intimate and, uh, you know, maybe time it one more day after that. Those are obviously more logistical in terms of timing. Like you can't get pregnant if you're not ovulating. You can't get pregnant if you're not having sex during your fertile window. So those are like the really big things that I think um, are often missed, you know, when women go in to see their doctor and are like, we've been trying for six months. I don't know what's going on. And literally, I've had so many patients say this to me over the years. They're set, or excuse me, they're told just have more sex. And I think that is the most deflating, irritating advice you could ever give someone 
because for 25 plus days of the month, it doesn't matter how much sex you have. You literally can't get pregnant. You can't. If you miss your fertile window, you're done until the next month. And so instead, I'm just like, why don't these doctors teach women how to track their cycle, teach them how to confirm ovulation, and then get them to have sex in that actual fertile window when it actually matters. I don't know why that's not like common, but <laughs> seems really obvious to me. But other things that I did, this is more stuff that was really important to me, so you can do some of this if it resonates with you, but for at least six months before wanting to get pregnant, I knew that I really needed to focus on mineral stores. Now on average, a baby will take five pounds of minerals from mom during pregnancy. So what that means is if a mom is already pretty low in nutrients, pregnancy can A, be really hard, but also she's probably going to suffer with a lot of things like cavities while she's pregnant and postpartum hair loss. These are great signs that baby is stealing all your minerals and you didn't have much of a store to begin with. And so you are essentially giving birth to the baby empty of everything. So this is why it's so common to see cavities, women lose half their hair, they're fatigued, they're not healing very quickly, they're really, really struggling, especially during the postpartum window, and it can trace back oftentimes to minerals. Now, traditionally, there were many cultures that put a man and a woman on a very nutrient-dense diet for years to prepare them for conception which is pretty cool if you want to do that. So if you're planning on having a child in five years, <laughs> you can definitely uh, get started, I guess. Um, but at least six months is generally what I like to see. So especially if I'm working with someone who, say, just got off birth control, and we know oral birth control especially depletes the body of many, many things like B vitamins and folate and uh, vitamin C, we want to especially then really replenish the body for at least six months before they try to get pregnant. And unfortunately, that's another piece of advice that very few doctors give patients. Balancing mineral levels is a huge part of period reboot, but in a nutshell, you can balance your minerals by eating really mineral rich foods. So that is of course not gonna be many uh, prepackaged things. It's definitely not gonna be like vegan meats and oat milk and stuff. I know, I like oat milk too. But we have to look for things that are truly nutrient dense and most of the time those are indeed animal products. So it's just the way it works. You don't need to get mad at me. That's just a fact. So looking at things like organ meats, beef liver, which is why that's been a huge um, thing that I've supplemented with before pregnancy, but especially while, preg while pregnant, goodness. Um, oysters, grass-fed meats, looking at things like raw milk or quality dairy products, uh, seafood, shellfish, uh, clams, mussels, lobster. These are all gonna be things that have a variety of different minerals, but you can also add in minerals in different ways. You can add mineral drops to your water. I do a lot of adrenal cocktails, which are full of sodium and potassium. So there's a lot of different ways to flood your body with nutrition, but of course the ways that most of us learned how to eat are not going to be very nutritious, right? So if we're living on coffee, muffins, like a processed salad from the store, like a lot of these things really don't have a whole lot to give us. So that's why for a lot of us, we have to be really intentional about it to get a true abundance of nutrients. And really on that, I should say bioavailable nutrients, because certainly things like kale and seaweed and all of that, they have nutrition, don't get me wrong, 
but a lot of times there's only a small percentage that is actually bioavailable, which is why oftentimes animal proteins are going to be superior because animals are just masters of turning things that you and I can't eat like grass and put that nutrition into the meat. So if you're vegan, take that with a grain of salt, but that is definitely a huge tenant of what um, worked well for me and also what I teach. So the mineral replenishment is huge, especially if you've had children in the past. Remember, this is also why some people say it's really good to space kids at least three years apart because it can take that long to just replenish what the first baby took. So if we're having babies every 18 months or so, that could be extra draining on our bodies. But also remember that babies can only take what already exists in us. Like, yes, they will start to take, you know, from our stores in different ways, um, but it's the same with breast milk. Yes, breast milk is the most nutrient dense thing in the world for a baby, but it can only have the nutrition in it that we have. So breast milk nutrition can also vary based on how nourished our body is and what we are consuming. So just things to keep in mind, like how can you add in more nutrient dense and mineral rich foods into your diet before getting pregnant, but then definitely also while you're pregnant and into your postpartum period. Another thing that became a big focus for me about a year ago was looking at our home and getting it as conducive to health as possible. So some things that were really important to me were investing in things like really high quality air filters. I love Air Doctor personally. It's pretty much the top of the line one. Um, but this was important to me because Indoor air typically is far more polluted than outdoor air. And of course, when we buy brand new furniture or we you know, use those yucky little like Glade plugins, like, oh dear God, if you take anything from this episode, throw those things in the trash, throw the Febreze in the trash, throw your scented dryer sheets in the, in the trash. Fragrance or perfume, like it may be listed in the ingredients, is a known endocrine disruptor, which means it's a known thing that can negatively affect your hormones. Like crazy that that stuff is just like so commonplace and marketed like make your house smell like petunias <laughs> um no thanks i'd rather have a house that smells normal and not have endocrine disruptors everywhere but things like an air doctor would also filter out mold and uh, just it, so many different things so that was really important to me to purchase a couple air doctors and get them in our house just so that i could start to get ahead of whatever may be in my home, in my environment. Um, the home we were living in at that time was built in, I think, 1940. So I was just like, who knows what is in this paint or the insulation or whatever. So I wanted something to filter that out. We also upgraded our uh, stuff like bed sheets to um, bamboo, like you heard with Cozy Earth. We swapped out just a lot of our like general use stuff to be higher quality, um, less toxic products that, like I said, didn't have fragrance, were not heavily bleached. Um, that was a really, really big shift for us and it was really powerful. And then this was another big thing for us, but we looked a lot at EMF exposure. And so we made sure that there was a timer on our Wi-Fi so that our Wi-Fi would turn off for about 10 hours at least every night where then there's just no Wi-Fi in the house, which to us, we were like, why do we need this? Like there's, we're already not like smart house kind of people, but yeah, like we literally don't need Wi-Fi while we're sleeping, but also ensuring that the Wi-Fi router was very far away from our bedrooms. 
um, yeah, just really just being super mindful of our space and what kinds of things are in our home so that um, while we were in the conception journey that could be supported. But we also wanted all that in place before I got pregnant because I didn't want to be worrying about those things when I'm four months pregnant and probably really don't need a random added stressor. And if you're interested in that EMF conversation, I interviewed an incredible engineer on the podcast, oh my gosh, six months to a year ago, you can find it, um, where if you want the science and the data of all of that, if you're rolling your eyes thinking I sound like a weirdo, uh, it's all right there for you. So may that support you and give you kind of a an awareness into how harmful EMFs can be and the really easy little um, upgrades we can make to our homes to make a big difference. There were lots of other random things I started doing, like ensuring I was getting good quality vitamin D, so getting more daily sunshine, trying to get in nature more, having more boundaries around my phone, but those were really personal things that I decided to do. But I think the last big thing that's important to talk about was just getting my mental health in the right space and really understanding you know the full grasp of what it will mean to be a mother and really thinking about if that's something that i truly genuinely want to do um yeah just really understanding like the grand scheme of what it means to be mother and making a really conscious decision that that did feel right and i was excited about that journey and working with my partner to ensure we were in a really healthy space to do that so I think that would be the last thing to consider is having a really good conversation with your partner, ensuring you are on the same page, talking about some of those bigger things like, how would you feel, babe, if I chose to not give birth in a hospital? Would you be able to support me? Or if I chose to do whatever, like literally whatever version of birth and pregnancy speaks to you, are you on the same page? Can you work together? And is your vision for the rest of your life also pretty similar as well. Like, will you be available to support me if I need to rest for a month? Would you be available to support me in these ways that would be really important to me? I think those conversations are not had enough and then we get pregnant or we have the baby and then there's just a lot of relationship turmoil because some of those big conversations weren't had. So if, if I could give a random piece of advice, that's probably what I would say. But I hope this episode was interesting just to give a little update and then some of the things that were really helpful for me um, before we conceived and maybe things that can serve you as well. And I cannot wait for all of you to enjoy the birth series. They're, they're really powerful and they will probably push up against some ingrained beliefs that we've all had. I definitely had a lot of like, wait, what kind of moments in these interviews. So if you can approach them with an open mind and really hear them and make your own decision for yourself out of, you know, power and not fear or lack, then you're going to love these episodes. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening in today. And thank you to Cozy Earth again for sponsoring this podcast. I'll see all of you here next week. Thank you so much for tuning into the Cyclical Podcast today. The best way you can support the show is by rating and reviewing the Cyclical Podcast on iTunes. It also means so much when you share this on Instagram and tag me. It helps me see what episodes really, really resonated and just keep the goodness coming. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you here next week.